Hurry into Old Navy Saturday for 50% off all swimwear, $2 tanks for her, and free flip-flops when you spend $50 or more in-store. This Saturday only at Old Navy, valid 323. Limit five tanks. Select tanks and flip-flops only. Free gift in-stores only. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Who You Got. My name is Dayton Hammond. Who You Got is a show about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. So, what is a bracket exactly, you may be asking? Well, a bracket or tournament bracket is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Each episode, we create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. Today, helping me fight our way through today's tournament is... It's me. Hello, my name is Derek Ambrose, and I just want to say for all those who can't see Dayton right now, when I've heard him do this before, whenever he says, hello, my name is Dayton Hammond, who ya got? Like, I always pictured him doing the little jab with his fist, like almost like a half tiger thing. Sort of like a ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just saw you do it. I'm like, this confirms every suspicion I had while listening to you. You hear it here, folks. Who you got is exactly as great as you imagine it is. That's right. But thank you, Derek, for being on the show today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Derek Ambrose is a good friend of mine. We both went to UW-Milwaukee together, and he is an aficionado on today's topic. He and I have uh, enjoyed this topic together, and we'll get to it in a little bit. But there are a couple rules we must follow as we make our way through the bracket, and let's establish those before we get to any topic given. So, there are 10 minutes allotted to each matchup in this debate bracket. And at the end of 10 minutes, we will decide a winner based on the arguments, not on our own preferences. So, Derek, there's only going to be two of us. One of us is going to have to give way in some of these arguments. It's going to be you. We shall see. I know what's going to happen. I can see the future. (laughs) (laughs) This this is going to be a really interesting topic. (laughs) Because I, going into this, I feel very strongly about my picks. For I think for maybe one of the first times in the show, I think I've always had a little bit more hesitation with some of our previous episodes. But this one, I feel like I'm pretty confident in my choices, and I'm interested to see if you can convince me otherwise. As so, am I, considering we've had this conversation several times. Yep, that's right. And we still haven't been able to convince the other one yet. <laughs> so that brings us to this month's topic. Marvel Cinematic Universe Films. Specifically, we're going to talk solo origin films, just to make things a little bit simpler. We're not going to do any sequels, we're not going to discuss any crossovers, that means no wars of the Civil or Infinity varieties. And I I do want to point out, this does not include the previous Spider-Man films, and we will not be talking about this 2003 Hulk. Yes. That will never be mentioned, ever. This is specific. (laughs) I have strong feelings about that. Poor Eric (laughs) Bonner. This is going to be specifically Marvel Cinematic Universe films that is, I suppose, Iron Man until Ant-Man and the Wasp, which came out this last summer. So any True. of the movies in that contained universe. Uh, and I think this is, a, obviously, this is a very popular thing going on right now. Yes. And you and I are both really involved in that. We're not one of those cynics who's like, Marvel's no good. We really enjoy these movies, I think. Oh, well, I might be. <laughs> yeah, are you secretly? <laughs> secretly, I'm a cynic on the inside. The mask comes off and suddenly you're just... You're just a villain. I'm really, I'm really Venom. <laughs> oh, not <my> MCU. <laughs> not MCU Venom. Very deliberately, not, not MCU Venom. <laughs> but at the end of this discussion, after we debate these eight humble superhero beginnings, we will determine the most amazing fantasy. Now, you might all be wondering why I'm calling it that. 
the winner of this bracket. Why is it called the most amazing fantasy? So, I'm, I'm jiggling my nerd glasses here in case you didn't see. Uh, the first comic in which Spider-Man appeared was called Amazing Fantasy. And I'm a big Spider-Man geek, and I felt like, since he's kind of the poster child of Marvel at large, maybe not of the MCU, I feel like that really belongs to Iron Man, but since he's kind of the poster child of Marvel, I felt like that title was appropriate. I bet you can all guess which is his favorite movie right now. <clears throat> it's The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so shall we get into the bracket, Derek? Yes, I, I think we should. All right, so starting with the number one seed, Iron Man, versus the number eight seed, The Incredible Hulk. Next, we have Captain America, the first Avenger, our fourth seed, going up against our fifth seed, Doctor Strange. And then we have the number two seed, Thor, going up against the number seven seed, Spider-Man Homecoming. Lastly, we have Black Panther, our number three seed, going up against Ant-Man, our number sixth seed. All right. Yeah, I think this will... I think the idea to restrict this to only origin films sort of forced our hand a little bit because I think... It was kind of hard to choose. Right, yeah, and I, I think if we made this discussion about all MCU films, I feel like Infinity War and Civil War would probably rise to the top just because they're really such feats of storytelling, incorporating all these characters and giving them the proper service throughout the film and not getting into a super jumbled mess. Like, it'd be so easy to get those movies wrong and they, they're incredible and they're very moving and they're very fun that's kind of unbeatable against some of these other films. So we we decided to focus on the origins and uh, see where this goes. So, And I think it would be nice to point out the reason, like, we love Guardians of the Galaxy, Dayton and I both do, but the reason they're not on here as an origin story is they're a team. Yep. Like, you could argue... Not a yes, solo film. <laughs> it's like you could argue Star-Lord is the main character, but Drax, Rocket, and Groot really carry that in terms of entertainment, at least oh, yeah. for me, at least no. for me. I would agree with so, that as well. Like, it's, it'd almost be a 5v1 or 2 or whatever it might be right at that point. Yeah. <laughs> we really wanted to zone in on some of these individual characters and see how they could carry their own movies and that sort of thing. So, uh, just to establish before we move on, again, these seedings are completely random. The umber, numbers mean absolutely nothing. This is just for kicks. So, Derek, are you ready to get started? I am. All right, so we're going to start off with our first debate matchup, the number one seed Iron Man against the number eight seed Incredible Hulk. I'm going to get the time on the clock here, and we got ten minutes. Here we go. Okay, so I think this one's a clear winner, at least for me. I, I definitely think Iron Man's the better film. But I will talk about all the good things about The Incredible Hulk as well. Okay. So I'll let you start off first. Yeah. Okay. So I agree, too. I think Iron Man is the better movie, at least at the surface level right now. Yes. We feel like Iron Man's better. I think a lot of the listeners would agree. This, yeah. yeah. But that movie, it's, it's so ambitious by definition. I mean, why start the MCU with... Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man was in production for a while. It had been tossed around as a movie since the 90s, but there was so much risky about that movie. The fact that it was kind of a character that people were unfamiliar with. There were actually some surveys that went around to try to convince people that Iron Man wasn't a robot and was a guy in a suit. Isn't that amazing? Like That is good, yeah. Yeah, and on top of that, we have Robert Downey Jr. at the helm who had kind of been out of the loop for a while. He hadn't been in a whole lot of movies, had a couple here and there. Well, but he had actually been in, I for, I did a little bit of you know backstory on him as an actor. He right. had been in and out of, I think, rehab a few times before exactly. that. So this was really a nice, I would say, breakout, almost sobering moment for him to really 
nail yeah. a lead role. Yeah, it, it was a role that was really made for him. It was, this is a character who has a dark past, who has experienced a lot of self-harm, has experienced a lot of external harm, and is trying to cope with that. So picking Robert Downey Jr. is like the definition of inspired casting. Absolutely. I, and, but at the same time, this... This is Iron Man we're talking about, and they're risking it on this potentially kind of glass cannon of a <laughs> of a of an actor, really. But I think they actually did play that to their advantage because me coming into the film, I knew nothing about the comics, and now I literally watch all these YouTube comics almost every day as I go to work. I don't li- I don't watch them; I listen to them on my oh, ride. Oh, sure, yeah, like podcasts and things, yeah. Right, but the the villain of Obadiah Stane played. By Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges is fantastic. And if if you had no idea who Iron Man was up until you watched that movie, you did not know he was the villain until the last, I'd say, 30 minutes of the film. I will refute that slightly. (laughs) Obadiah Stane is one of my (laughs) kind of negatives about the movie. I love Jeff Bridges. I think he's fantastic. And but it, it, for me, for me, it was kind of obvious, and it sort of set up that trope within the Marvel universe of sort of a spurned older colleague with some technology comes back and sort of replicates it in the face of the hero. Like that happened in <coughs> Iron Man, or not Iron Man? Excuse me. Well, obviously it happened on Iron Man, but also in Ant Man is what I meant to say. Right. Because with Yellow Jacket, and which I have is a point here later about that. Thing. I have a point here later exactly about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So it started that trend and honestly if you have a name like Obadiah Stane that's that just sounds evil <laughs> it does it absolutely does but it's it to me I saw it more as a corporate evil I'm like yeah he's probably a bad guy but he's not the bad guy like it's definitely the guy hiding out in the cave killing all these people with these weapons mm-hmm. so like I knew he was a bad guy but I didn't think he was tier one bad guy yeah and I I think some of his motivations are I don't know about justified, but oh. he wants what's best for the company. And frankly, you know, the the playboy billionaire genius philanthropist son coming in saying we're shutting down weapon production, which is our, which I think is established in the movie as the most profitable part of Stark Industries. I mean, he's just trying to work in the best interest of the company. Naturally, that feeds into his own needs and wants. But right. And then when it doesn't is, is, go his way, he lashes out like a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Literally like a child. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> it's like, okay, I, I see where you're coming from, but you can't go around in a giant robot suit throwing cars of families inside them around. <laughs> I'll let him do whatever he wants if he's throwing that car my way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to the Incredible Hulk now. So yeah, of course. I think it, overall it gets a bad rap for the movie that it is. I think it's actually all around not a bad movie, but it's also not a great movie. If you want a good fight between two giant beefy CGI monsters, yeah, yeah this is your film. <laughs> like I'm not going to try to, you know, hide that like it's a great film if you want to watch two mindless beasts kind of hit each other. Yeah. Other than that, the the text really isn't there for me to really pull me to yeah, I'm going to sit down at home and watch this movie. Whereas right. Iron Man, I would sit down at home and like, what have I not seen in a while? Iron Man? Yeah, I'll yeah, watch it. Absolutely. I never thought that way about The Incredible Hulk. Right. Yeah. I, I think The Incredible Hulk definitely, definitely has some cool moments. Like, I don't think in the MCU proper, because I think some people almost consider this sort of like 
loose canon to the story to the rest of the MCU. But I still don't think there's been an iconic enough shot of the Hulk as there is when he transforms in ha- in Harlem and like throws his arms back, sort of in that bowed look and roars. Like that's still a beautiful, awesome shot of the Hulk and exactly what I want that character to be on screen. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, I could not agree more. Right. And so it's not like. It's a complete loss. And of course, we have Edward Norton, who does a really good job of playing Bruce Banner, in my opinion. I think yes, they actually does. cast him because he looked <laughs> like uh, Bill Bixby, uh, which is in the old uh, television show with uh, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk, of course. Uh, so Bill Bixby played the counterpart. Bruce Banner, I think they named him differently in the show back then. It was something like... They might have, yeah. It was like a very generic name, like Dan Banner. It's like, okay, whatever. Why didn't you call him Bruce? Anyway. Also, I love the beefy Lou Ferrigno cameo as a security guard. Like, that was fantastic. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, that was a nice little nod to the roots. Because the, the MCU as a whole really owes itself to the comics, but some of those earlier movies when they weren't sure if the MCU was going to take off and become this huge sprawling thing like the comics, when they were still these sort of isolated stories with a few nods to one another, it still felt sort of like those old serials, you know? And I will say, it is still very much a canon movie in the MCU. Like, in, in the first Avengers, Ruffalo says, you know, and I've got it quoted here, you know, he put a bullet in his mouth and the other guy spit it out. That's yeah. in reference to when Edward Norton put a bullet in his mouth and the other guy spit it out. And then there's the other time he says, last time I was in New York, I kind of wrecked Harlem. Harlem, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, when two big beefy guys duke it out, it's going to happen. Yeah. I think that was a, a good way to acknowledge the, the that movie, even though some people are hesitant on remembering it at all you know that um, and um thunderbolt ross yeah too, of course who, I, who i'm surprised has stayed in the mcu and i would like to see them eventually do something with the red hulk but yeah. we're not going to talk about theoretics right now yeah that that's, could be later after yeah. everything else but the fact that it lays that <clears throat> seed in the ground is Abs- important i absolutely, think i think yes. how these movies set up the rest of the universe does speak to their quality and so I guess we could talk about that a little bit with Iron Man. Of course, at the end, we have the call to the Avengers Initiative by Nick Fury mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, but I think it really sets up Iron Man as sort of like the bad boy leader, uh, somebody who is willing to take the chance, who has that sense of initiative, who has that sense of ambition, uh, and is willing to change, you know? I feel like that really... The, the Iron Man arc within that singular movie does hint at a lot of where Tony Stark's character has gone. And, and I him, think that's really cool. Him as a character, it's very it's very human yeah. in a sense. Like, oh, absolutely. like you start off like, wow, he's this kind of a he's kind of a douche. He's oh, kind of absolutely. a giant douche when you first <laughs> like open it up. It's just like, okay, he's got strippers and he's a private plane and they're all drinking and he's gambling and he and Stanley is who Hefner within for some the first, Yeah, within the first five minutes he wakes up with a, a naked reporter in his bed. Yeah. It's just like, you don't see anything, but there's implications. Oh, of course. So it's yeah. just like, he comes off as this really kind of, I'd almost say hedonistic, hedonistic corporate oh, guy. Yeah. yeah. And then life-shattering experience, mm-hmm. goes through all the trauma, sees his like his wrongs, and he tries to right them, and, and he's still 
wronging things as he's writing them. Hence yeah. why Obadiah lashes out at him. Yeah, he's he's not very good at the whole Dudley Do-Right thing. And no, I absolutely think that's something not. that's always essential to <clears throat> Iron Man and Tony Stark as a character. That's what makes him different from Steve Rogers and Captain America. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him super interesting to watch in this film and the ones to come. I will say, although the Iron Man film is the first in the MCU, I think The Incredible Hulk, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think The Incredible Hulk is the first one that hints at other heroes because very of... Very directly, right. Very directly, like, oh, this is from the Super Soldier program, program which is directly linked to Captain America. It's like... Right. I thought I felt like that was a great way to explain well, that, the well, Gamma be, before, before credits. Before yeah, credits right, is yeah. the only hint in the yeah. actual movie. Yeah, I think maybe you see Captain America's shield in the background of Iron Man, uh, probably in Tony's lab. Maybe. I remember, I remember there's one subtle reference, but it's an Easter egg. It's something that doesn't necessitate further storytelling. It's just like, oh, look, Iron Man's shield. But then it's like seeing Beta Ray Bill in Guardians of the Galaxy. If you know the MCU or you know Marvel, you know who that is. Yeah. But they're not going to directly say... Oh yeah, that's a little horseman back there with superpowers. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's it's a one-off, but we're down to ten seconds here. I feel like we're still kind of on the Iron Man train. No, we're we've been on the Iron Man train. <laughs> that that train has taken off and the smoke clouds have dissipated into the atmosphere by now. <laughs> like it's gone. It's gone. But it I, I, had, away. I had to touch certain points about the Hulk. Um and I will say the biggest thing for me as to why The Incredible Hulk was not a better film than Iron Man is because I love Edward Norton. Yep. I love the movie Fight Club and how oh, he, of course. and how the inner monologue between him and is it Tyler Durham? Yeah, Brad Pitt's character. Yeah, between him and Tyler Durham, it's always back and forth, and you can see the personality of each character. You didn't get that between Edward Norton and the Hulk, and you didn't really get that between Blonsky and Abomination. Blonsky right. and Abomination actually were the same person. Yeah, Edward Norton and the Hulk was like, driven by power. Yeah, yeah, Edward Norton and the Hulk were very much two different entities. But they never interacted with each other. It was right. always third person like, oh yeah, when he's here, I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> and Hulk's yeah. like, brah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hulk's like, brah. <laughs> yeah. How apt. That's all he does. And he doesn't speak any actual words. Right. Like, besides Hulk smash. I'm like, oh, that was okay. The one, uh, my favorite moment in that movie, though, I think, it's, I think it's safe to say that Hulk has been smashed. Um, into the ground by Iron Man. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> but my favorite moment from uh, Incre- uh, Incredible Hulk is when he's first being discovered by all those soldiers and they're sort of running around to that misty sort of factory oh, yes. area. And he says, leave me alone. That's cool. That's a great characterization of the Hulk as sort yes. of like this Frankenstein type character that's just like understands that he's monstrous and destructive and wants everybody to go away. Kinda I think like, that's a cool moment. Like, and I um, wish they would have read, wrote on that more throughout the movie. Was it um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde yeah. type of duo? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Iron Man wins. Iron Man's moving on in the first matchup. I don't think that's a surprise here, but I think I think maybe hopefully we've prompted some listeners to go back to The Incredible Hulk and see some of those cooler moments that we saw. But... It's tough to beat Iron Man. It's the thing that started it all. So, Iron Man's moving on to the next round. Let's take a look at our next matchup. We have Captain America, the first Avenger, at the fourth seed against the fifth seed, Doctor Strange. All right, let's get ten minutes on the clock, and here we go. I'm very, 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 very biased to Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, please explain. Um, the biggest reason is my my grandfather, um, Vince Ambrose. He was a, I, I kid you not, like five four five five with and one hundred and thirty pounds with rocks in his boots. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
um, Army airman for World War II. And so he would jump out of planes as a paratrooper and, you know, fly in a battle. Yeah. But he was never heavy enough to <laughs> do anything so, because he was only 130 pounds. Like, the winds would just take him and say, right. no, you're going over here. Um <laughs> But so what he did is like he trained everyone. Okay. And I'm glad he was very small because if he would have gone, he would have been one of the first people to jump into Normandy on D-Day. Whoa. So no one he knew really survived that. So wow. I, like I'm very, very, very proud of the fact that like my grandpa was at least able to. It'd be a big part in like still helping the fight against the Nazis yeah. and everything. And I see the Steve Rogers on TV, and like I never got to know my grandfather because he smoked from 16 up until grandma. <laughs> Made him quit cold turkey and stop buying him <laughs> cigarettes at 76 yeah. or whatever age it was. So I never really got to know that guy. But sure. I picture like the Steve Rogers in the first Avenger, the really scrawny guy, yeah. as my grandpa. That's the best. And I like to think like that's kind of like what he was, just without all the drugs. <laughs> that made him Except a, with the su- without the super soldier Without serum. the super soldier serum. He had rocks in his shoes cake. instead. He had rocks in his shoes instead of a super soldier serum. <laughs> Arguably identical <laughs> the real the real world analog absolutely right, right no that's that's awesome thanks for sharing that yeah that's- and i and I, I love that and that's what i really love about the film the, my biggest takeaway is uh red skull is a villain and the, the montage battle scenes oh yeah oh those were fun but i kind of feel like you have to have that montage battle scene otherwise you have a three four year span of world war ii you have to portray and that might take mm. two films and right kind of assuming like He's a super soldier. All these normal battles, and they ain't shit, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's... Minus the tacky Hydra guns. <laughs> yeah. Tacky. Of all things Hydra could could be called, tacky is surprisingly apt. I like that. Yeah, I think it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree with everything you've just said. Yes. So I think we should give some credit to Doctor Strange right away. I'll let you start with that, because I just had a little bit of time there. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I... <laughs> I love Doctor Strange. I really think it's a good movie. I, I have a soft spot for Benedict Cumberbatch, but that's just the start of it. Mm-hmm. Some people can accuse the Marvel movies of being bland. And if they do, I ask them if they've seen this movie because it is visually stunning and visually very interesting and ambitious. It tries some things that are very weird. and It's like it's, the visuals of Inception meet the MCU. Yeah, and it's a bizarre character who's not often really liked (laughs) in comic circles. I mean, I think he has his fans, certainly, but when you think about Marvel superheroes, you don't think about the flying wizard with a goatee. It's a very surreal premise, uh, the fact that like a surgeon decides to consult this pseudo-Eastern mysticism to cure his disease, or his injury, rather. I think that's a bizarre approach in and of itself, much much less in a superhero film. And they pull it off, oddly enough. And between using the words bizarre, surreal, weird, and oddly, I am all out of synonyms for strange. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, so I, it's the opposite of bland for me. Everything about that movie is very visually surprising. I think the whole mirror dimension with the way even the character just like shatters through certain scenes and the way those scenes transition is really beautiful. <clears throat> I love the, the the use of the ring and the way that it creates it looks like actual rips through time and space with the sparks and everything. Like it very right. easily like it's could not have so been. much magic as it is um, like Thor references, like magic and science are one and the same where he's yeah. from, and this is like a, a nice portrayal of how that could be seen. It feels like a natural phenomena, right? Or at least something that 
starts as a natural phenomenon and is sort of blown up or expanded by this human potential. And my, one of my favorite parts in the movie is when they go into the dark dimension with Dormammu. Dormammu is one of my favorite villains from the comics because he's basically like sort of a Satan character. And I think that idea of like super evil and portraying that against uh, silly campy comics <laughs> is really interesting. But the fact that here they portray him as this giant, almost gelatinous, colorful character, I think his design was super cool. It really surprised me. I loved that. It was, it was very well done. And it wasn't until I think the third or fourth time I watched it that I could actually see the outline of his body and not yeah. just, oh, Here's this face coming out of nowhere like the right. Jester Cat in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> that's like, a good comparison. I, I literally thought that's what it was. I'm like, okay, so he's a giant cat. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. I don't know, I don't know what we're supposed to do now. Doctor Strange's <laughs> nemesis, a giant cat. But I I feel like Doctor Strange <laughs> is a direct response to how the MCU could have gone, and it really could have been very samey off of sort of an assembly line. Doctor Strange is really out there. There's no way that could have come off of an assembly line. It feels it feels like an attempt at art, whether or not you think it's art or not. Art or not. It's it's very good. The only thing there, I only have two. Okay, three beefs with. Um, <laughs> okay, the, four. No, no, five no, beefs. I swear it's just three. <laughs> I swear it's just three. I only have three beefs with uh, Doctor Strange, whereas Captain America, I have the two. So the, with Doctor Strange, like Dormammu isn't the main villain. It's Kisiliak, who's yeah. like his. His zealot, which is cool, yeah. and that's that's a nice transition into like here could be another future big baddie in the MCU once Thanos is taken care of. Yep, spoilers. <laughs> um, Potentially, but it's just like, and it really shows, and it really does kind of enlighten. And this is like my least strongly negative feelings about it because it does exemplify Doctor Strange's real power, which yeah. is his use of magic, which is considered his tool, his biggest tool, yep. his biggest weapon. With his insane intellect as well. Yeah. Like, he can't outright beat Dormammu, so he's just going to trick him and time loop him, mm -hmm. so he makes him give up. Yeah, just the brute for force of magic couldn't have been the only way <clears throat> to win there. He needed his wit. He needed who he was before he was Doctor Strange, which is always a cool moment when you see that sort of come together for a character. But. Right. And to that and to that, I would say him and Tony Stark as a character, at least, I don't know if within Marvel Comics or MCU, they're almost one and the same where Tony Stark has his technology... Doctor Strange has his magic. They both started off as these egotistical men. Yep. Tony Stark very much more playboy <laughs> than um, Doctor Strange is. Yeah, Doctor Strange was just more of like arrogant. But yeah, they were very high. They had this fall, and they're using their strongest tool with their high intellect to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doctor Strange not as drastic of a of a shift as Tony Stark, um, but I would say Doctor Strange as a character for me at least is more interesting personally. Okay. And that's that's why I also really really liked him. And Tilda Swinton as a East Asian ancient one monk, I don't understand really. Yeah, it's I don't understand it's the such casting. A, it's it's well done. She did it great, but it's also Tilda Swinton. She's not going to do anything bad. Right. It's so tricky because you don't want to paint that part of the comics, which was incredibly racist, as racist now. Right. So I feel like they they really <clears throat> walked the line beautifully with Wong, who's who in the comics is sort of resorted to this sort of uh, I'm going to bring you your tea character. Terrible. Right. Now he's uh, a bodyguard, very independent, very much has his own characteristics aside from serving the Ancient One and from serving Doctor Strange. I so they handled that well. I don't know why they couldn't have cast an Asian character, Asian actress as. 
uh, as the ancient one and done the same thing. I it's again, it's just such a sensitive <laughs> sign, sign to walk uh, line to walk that I can't I almost can't comment on it, right. you know. But but I I would say my my third thing. So this is my second thing. My third thing is I wish they would have done more with Mordo as a support, that I will agree with you. I wish they would have done more as more with Mordo as a support carrier like character. Sorry. Character like Bucky Barnes was to Steve Rogers. I love that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And when Bucky got lost on the train, it was heartbreaking. When Mordo's just like, "Man, I ain't gonna do this dark stuff." It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, have it your way, I guess. Then the world's gonna d- get destroyed. I wish there was a little bit more. I, I do agree with that. I wish there was a little bit more hint to who Mordo could be against Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is interesting because he breaks those magical rules, quote right. unquote. And Mordo's interesting because he holds fast to those rules and holds fast to those laws. I do and we think he's a stronger character too. Yeah, it's yeah. and y- you didn't get to see that as much in mm-hmm. in that movie. As, as far as my beast with Captain America, I mean, I love it. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's hard to not like. And for all the reasons that you listed before, I think that's why. I think it's I think it's a very fun movie that speaks to a lot of people we know. You know, a lot of people who are very very selfless. And will do whatever they can for their fellow man. I think that's what makes Captain America and Steve Rogers uh, a great character. My beast with it is that it's still sort of cheesy. It MCU at this point, by the point of Captain America: First Avenger, had not pinned down its balance yet. It, right. it, it sort of swayed on the side of cheesy for me pretty often. I think a lot of it has to do with the villain. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 not a, it's nothing against Hugo Weaving. If you have not seen the Matrix, Matrix. Watch The Matrix, yeah, because he plays a great, great villain in The Matrix. Man. So yeah, I think it's really how incorrectly I think the Red Skull was written into that film, to sure. be honest. Yeah, so. and there's like some campy action scenes with uh, the way Captain America is sort of edited into explosions and jumps. It feels kind of almost Power Ranger-y, which right. brings me to my other beef. I know we're out of time, but <laughs> I do I do want to mention that Captain America and Steve Rogers isn't always the most relatable character. I think we've all been in, in over our heads, and then that way we can connect with Captain America and Steve Rogers. But the fact that he's just so good and just so infallible sometimes is a little hard for me to to resonate with, you know? Right, and I think it's also because he was built in the comics originally as this shining star for America to rally behind, yeah. you know, the youth in America to rally behind to support the troops back in World War II. And I think they just, like, why why change that? Yeah. He's, he's the ideals of what America should be. Like, yeah. he gets in trouble, but everything is morally right, morally straight, and that's why him as a character, I think, is almost timeless. Yeah, to be honest. Well said. I think with that you might have got me. I I was kind of feeling Doctor Strange going into this just because it feels like more ambitious of a film, but there is a lot to like about Captain America and a lot to aspire to with Captain America. And I think your story about your grandfather was particularly effective in demonstrating that. You know, it's just he feels like the person that yeah. He feels like all the people we look up to, which is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more mainly because I have that story. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Captain America made Doctor Strange see some stars and Doctor Strange is knocked out. You know what that means, everyone. Next round, we have Captain America versus Iron Man in their own little civil war. But we got to finish up (laughs) the semifinals. Oh, wait, the quarterfinals before we get to the semifinals. So let's take a look at the next matchup. We have the number two seed, Thor. Very aptly named. Yep. Uh, against the n- number seven seed, Spider-Man Homecoming. I'll get 10 minutes on the clock, and here we go, Derek. 
you you have this one. You already know Spider Man's the best. Exactly. Tom Holland is the best Spider Man. <laughs> I have I have in my notes, and we went over this before we started recording. First bullet for Spider Man. Fuck the backstory. We know what Spider Man is. If yeah. you don't know, watch the first Tobey Maguire. It's a good Spider Man film. Just yeah. don't watch the third. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's. I love how it assumes we know by now who this hero is. Mm-hmm. Whether you like Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield's rendition, I don't care. They're both good films in their own respect. But I think this is the best Spider Man to date. Yeah. Um, the original trilogy still gives a good backstory, like I said, and how Uncle Ben influences Peter. So I like how it assumes like. Where he is now, Uncle Ben got him here. Yep. Now he needs someone else, and that's where Tony Stark's like, hello. Also, who is your aunt? <laughs> <laughs> also, Marissa Tomei. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway. But yeah, it, it, it skips all that prep work, and it's all the better for it. It already, it firms up right away from some of the first scenes that Spider-Man and Peter Parker is this doe-eyed but bullheaded character this brilliant yet clumsy character this funny yet somewhat keen character too it strikes that balance that i feel you know toby Maguire handles the peter parker very well he's a very timid man and so he has the smarts and gives off that vibe andrew garfield was definitely snarky enough as spider-man went in the suit but when he was out of it it just sort of felt like you know that meme of steve buscemi with the with the skateboard and spider-man literally has a skateboard in this movie might i remind you he's like hello fellow kids it just it didn't work for me there's a philip phillips song in amazing spider-man 2 i don't know why but they get it right in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, when they put the Ramones in it, oh man, that just that feels like more Peter Parker to me. They really did. Where he's just kind of this cheesy, kind of old-timey guy, <laughs> you know, where he's just sort of like doesn't belong in this era. I feel like Tom Holland really captures that. He's a very charming kid, and in, in a very endearing way. I don't feel like he should have bravado. And he doesn't. He just right. he's just sort of just a little cinnamon bun of a man, and I love it. And I, I do love, and here, here's the second bullet point that I will be talking about. It is, in all caps, everything I'm about to say is in all caps, Michael Keaton. Oh, yes. Sub-bullet point. Batman. Sub-bullet point. Birdman. Watch that movie if you haven't. So good. Sub-bullet point. Vulture. Sub-bullet point. All these avian characters. Like, <laughs> you you can't dismiss like the fact that Michael Keaton's an amazing actor, but I do love how it's just like every superhero esque film he is a avian character of some sorts. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's not just for that joke. He's amazing in this role. I feel He's like a well fleshed out character too, and he has and he makes you feel for him within the first thirty minutes. Right. Yeah. Because he's he's coming from a place uh, a place that has only been established because the MCU exists and. Because of everything that's happening around him, this is how he's affected. He's affected by Tony Stark's arguable selfishness, and he's affected by all the chaos of superheroes existing. Right. So he decides to take it into his own hands, which honestly feels like a realistic, fairly understandable, until he murders people, fairly understandable (laughs) Uh, Accidentally murders people, and then he starts really murdering people. Yeah. He's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I can do this more. (laughs) Oh, just like... I I think I could get into this. I didn't really see the gore because he just kind of disintegrated, so I guess I can do this more often. But... The, my favorite part of Michael Keaton's performance in that movie is the car scene. It's I was about to so touch on that next. It's so tense. I, I love it for two things. One, 
oh my god <laughs> i wanted to pee myself a little bit in the theater i was like oh this is terrifying yeah and also i think it's so terrifying because it pays homage to the first spider-man when you have peter parker sitting down with um uncle ben no, no, no. Uh, the vi- the main villain in the first one. Oh, I'm forgetting. I'm blanking Norman on the name. Osborne. Norman Osborn. It's, it's Norman Osborn, Peter Parker, Aunt May, and Harry Osborn sitting down at the dinner table, and Peter has the, the cut uh, on his arm, yep. which the Green Goblin knows. Right. Not Harry. Not no, Sorry, not, not Norman Osborn, because... Norman and the Green Goblin are still separate entities mm-hmm. at this point, but like the Green Goblin comes out and says, so it's like, I know I did that. And then Norman starts kind of going a little creepy on him. Yeah. There's, I didn't there's even think no about al- that parallel. That's yeah. great. There's no alter ego with Michael Keaton. It's, it's just, just him, man. It's just him being creepy. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just him wanting to hold his own. Yeah. And that's what makes that character great. But I think we've gushed around about <laughs> Spider-Man enough for now. We're done fangirling. <laughs> Well, Let's Day- Dayton's, done, Dayton's done fangirling. Oh, I'm hoping not. <laughs> For now. Let's talk about Thor. Okay. Do you like Thor? Do you like Thor? Do I like Thor? <laughs> I'm trying to do um, my best Jerry Seinfeld as a B impression. It's, uh, I mean, he's your, he's your prodigal son who misbehaves and he gets a big spanking from daddy, mm-hmm. which is takes away his toy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's well when you put when it you, like that. When you break it down, it's almost childish in a plot sense, but you have to think about all all the Norse mythology and try it's their first attempt to introduce a religion of some sorts into right. the MCU, which something, is very prevalent in the comics. Something that's not clearly science. I right. mean they establish in the movie Thor's like, "Oh, we we it's ma- you guys call it magic, but it's science in our world." It's basically magic. It's basically magic <laughs> at this point when we're like trying to introduce it to you in the theaters. Yeah. And they they do it very well. And I I love how Odin passes an ordeal onto Thor in the most sense that Zeus does in all of his myths and I'm using Zeus as a reference because I feel like most of our listeners will understand a classical Greek mythology where Zeus yeah, is like, "Hey, go go do a deed," except, you know, Odin's not a dick. <laughs> and <laughs> he eventually gives Thor back his hammer. Yep. Zeus is a dick. And if you if you think I'm wrong... Re- read literally any Greek myth. <laughs> any Greek myth. Just read any Greek myth. Where Please. Zeus is present, he is getting into some shit. And it's right. no fun. And when I see Greek myth, I don't mean the Disney version. I mean just go read anything yeah. else. Just pick up something at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> yeah. You, you uncultured swine. I, I will say, how do I feel about Thor? <laughs> well... <laughs> well... Um, the plot's kind of forgettable. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really hold fast. I'm like, this is a nice introduction to the character. Yep. It doesn't hold fast as Iron Man did, or right. Captain America, or Doctor Strange, or even the Incredible Hulk held a better backstory for me and a plot for me than Thor did. However, the characters had a better script in Thor than yeah. Incredible Hulk I, by I feel, far. I and it like... does introduce Loki as a character. Yeah, Loki is definitely a plus. Tom Hiddleston is a genius, and I feel like he brings a lot to that role. Arguably one of the better villain. Well, he's one of the better villains in the MCU. That's for sure. I feel like there's one that's better, but we'll get to that later. Uh, maybe two that's better, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> I'm shaking but, my head and nodding yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he's very good. He's he's very fun to watch. He sort of has an element I consider to be essential to every cinematic Joker. Any cinem- any character or actor who plays. <clears throat> excuse me, Burpin, the Joker. Any care anybody who plays the Joker, you have to want. 
you have to perform the character in such a way where we want to continue watching. I'm looking at you, Jared Leto, for being gross. I didn't want to watch that. <laughs> and But Tom Hiddleston has pure charisma, and you want to see what he's doing next, even if that means something's happening at the expense of Thor. And you can, really, hero, you you, and you can really feel the jokester come out in him, whether it's, and I'm going to go off movie for this one, whether it's um, Dark World, only time I'm ever going to talk about that movie. <laughs> Whether it's Dark World or the original Thor or Ragnarok or Avengers or Infinity War, you can always get that jokester feel from Loki. Even in Infinity War, spoilers, but if you haven't seen it by now, shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even in Infinity War, before he dies in like the first 10 minutes, like he's still very much a practical joke. Oh, yeah. Kind he's, of character. He's still trying to <laughs> flip the script, so to speak. Always. And yeah. and that's what I love about him as a character, and they really flesh that out right from the get-go yes. with the original Thor movie. Yeah, and you really feel for him, too, because he's literally in, a, in the presence of gods, and he is one, <laughs> supposedly. But he still feels out of place because he was from the Frost Giants. And uh, what's the name of the area where the Frost Giants are from? Uh, <laughs> don't ask me that question. I don't know. Oh no, we gotta brush up on our Norse myth. Uh, but but sorry. the fact that he feels—it's one of the seven realms. Yeah, realms. exactly. It's one of the realms. And the fact that he feels out of place in a virtual utopia is a really solid character motivation. And I think a lot of that is beneficial to have that Norse mythology behind the movie to yes. start with. But you can get a little bit of pre some preparation going into this and sort of understand where the world exists. You know? Right, which which is kind of nice. But at the same time, it's like at, at this point in human history as a whole, comics have their own stance within human culture that you know classical myths do whether it's nordic greek mm -hmm. um native american and then of course all of your religions as yeah. well yeah. so yeah it's yeah there's there, there are definitely some pieces to love about thor personally i think the costuming is great and probably hasn't been uh, matched since i mean you just look at odin's right. look it's really well designed it looks very practical looks very, very real regal. Yes, exactly. Regal's a great word. Yeah. And the fact that his helmet looks like a combination of both Thor and Loki's, I felt like it was like, was like a great touch. Really nice and, homage to how the characters are built separately as people, not just their own. They're not their own collective selves. They're actually almost pieces of Odin. Yeah. And together, like, they're this great force, but yeah. they never work together. Right, yeah. The characters are their relationships. And right. the fact that it's at least trying to hint at that is good, but I don't feel like the rest of the movie uh, works up to that. <laughs> right, so uh, I, will, I will say one last thing about Spider-Man. I know it's going to get chosen, and this is a bonus for it. But I just want to say one last thing about it before we decide it. And it's also a jab at the Amazing Spider-Man. I love how in this one, he is a student yes. who actually has to balance... His life, unlike some characters, <coughs> Andrew Garfield, who he really doesn't like care about school. Yeah. He I hates Mondays. He hates Mondays. And I never really liked that I don't care about anything. Peter Parker, yeah. uh, Tobey Maguire did it well, but I think Tom Holland does it best in terms of balancing and the stresses of actually being that age because he actually is that age. Yeah, he felt genuinely pulled in a million different directions, whereas I think the only, the comparable portrayal of that is in Spider-Man 2 when uh, Peter Parker is balancing his life as Spider-Man eventually decides to give up his life as Spider-Man. That just felt more hopeless than anything, right. which was good for that movie. I love Spider-Man 2. But for this, we really wanted to feel that frantic energy of this kid. While still being hopeful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very well said. So 
I think, I think Spider-Man's got this one wrapped what up. What do you mean you think? It's definitely got this one wrapped up. Yeah. One thing that, even if you would have argued for Thor, the nail in the coffin for Thor for me is the Dutch angles. Yeah. Do you know what Dutch angles are, Derek? I'm shaking my head like I do, but I really don't. <laughs> So, <laughs> next time you watch Thor, you're going to get nauseous because I'm mentioning this. There are so many shots that are tilted at a slight angle. That's a Dutch angle. That's a cinematography term. It's so pointless, and it just makes every it makes you so uneasy in every scene, even when you're not supposed to be uneasy. I, I, I know I said I wasn't going to do it right in the very beginning, but there's one film with the worst scene transitions Ang Lee's Hulk. <laughs> that outright beats the Dutch films, whatever. <laughs> 11 times out of 10, eight days during the week in terms of worst ways to shoot a screen in a movie. I'm sorry. So we'll give Thor a little Done edge <laughs> over Ang Lee's Hulk. <laughs> yeah, it's it wins that one out. But uh, Spider-Man swinging ahead into the next round here. Oh boy. <laughs> um, anyway, rant, yeah. I wish it was more done. of a contest, but honestly, uh, Thor's one of the weaker entries, especially in the early MCU. Uh, it, 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 to me, it, it just beats out Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um, purely, be, purely for the fact that there is that regal sense. Yeah. The character designs, the costumes are fantastic, and the interaction between the supporting characters and Thor is much better than the supporting characters and the Hulk, where they're almost non-existent. Like, Betty Ross is just this temptress, really, to be <laughs> honest, in, in The Incredible Hulk, and I, I, I wish she was more of a fellow scientist to Bruce Banner. Sure. It yeah. would have been nice to see. Plus, we had that great moment with this drink. I like it. Another. I, uh, <laughs> I, I quote that a lot. I love that line. I think that's funny. That's the best moment of the sort of fish out of water story they try to tell with Thor, but not quite where it needed to be, at least right. not to match up against Spider-Man Homecoming. So Spider-Man Homecoming's moving on to the next round. We'll determine who they go up against uh, <laughs> after this next matchup. This is our final quarterfinal matchup. We have the number three seed, Black Panther, against the number six seed, Ant-Man. Derek, are you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. Ten minutes on the clock. Starting now. If I start talking about Black Panther, I will not stop. So let's talk about Ant-Man <laughs> So All right. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I like so that approach. I think you all know where my vote is. Um, <laughs> Just judging by that first Ant- sort of uh, preface. Ant- yes. Ant- Ant-Man is a... I, it thoroughly surprised me as a movie. To this day, it does not feel like an MCU film. Okay. For the better, you think? For the better. Okay. For the better, it does not feel like an MCU film. And even though I know it is, I know the sequel is, I know it, I don't want to drag the sequel in there too much, but even the sequel doesn't really feel like an MCU film, but I know it is. But there's still fantastic movies in their own respect, and I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And it pleasantly surprised me. Yeah. And Ant-Man, I... A lot of people did. A lot of people did think coming into Ant Man, especially off all of the issue after all the issues it had with switching directors after Edgar Wright left, but still some of his script was there, and then Peyton Reed took over, and some of his script was there. After all that mess, people were like, "Okay, they can't all be winners. Ant Man's going to be the first flunk," and it really wasn't. It was just something different. I think for a good way. And I love, I love Paul Rudd, but I never really, I never saw him as a superhero. Right. I still remember, you know watching 40-Year-Old Virgin, and Paul Rudd's the <laughs> character who brings all his porn into Steve Carell's apartment, just like, 
He was like, here, it's all yours now. And as soon as he leaves, like, he's just yelling at Steve Crow, who's trying to give advice, like, no, man, I don't want any of your porn. And then, like, all of his neighbors start, like, looking out, like, what's going on? It's just like, Steve Crow, just like, fine, I'll keep it. Yeah. Like, that's that's how I picture Paul Rudd as an actor yeah. before Ant-Man. And that was, film changed it for the better, to be honest. Yeah, he was really kind of put into a box. I feel like he has more flexibility than people give him credit for. I Absolutely. feel like maybe prior to Ant-Man, the best demonstration of that was in Anchorman. He plays his character. Ah, oh man, I can't remember the name of his character for the life uh, of me. But he's the but sports. It's the sex panther guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he's... 60% of the time, it works 100% of the time. Exactly. He was like this real smarmy sort of character character instead of being the charming sort of lovable schlubby romantic lead and i feel like ant-man is almost the nice balance between the two yeah well said i i would agree with that as well he's got this sort of edge to him because he was a criminal right (laughs) but him as a criminal and i'm i'm going to really dive into like almost like an esoteric type film if you've ever seen swordfish the movie. I have not. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, I am intrigued. So, Swordfish, uh, I think this time should not be included in the, if you want to pause that. <laughs> okay. We're taking a pause. A from little the, bit of a pause. A little bit nice. of a segue It's like here. a 30 second pause. Swordfish <laughs> is a film with John Travolta and you lost Hugh me. Jackman. I'm out. No, it's, I'm back it's, in. <laughs> it's John Travolta, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry. Hugh Jackman is a tech criminal who is like really great at hacking into things? He's in he's in on the run from the law. Okay. Halle Berry is John Travolta's hench gal, and kind of hench loops gal. him into like helping out John Travolta in his dastardly deeds. And, but he, she's also a double agent for the FBI, who's trying to say like, "Hey, work with John Travolta, but we're gonna backstab him in the end." Spoiler: backstab him in the end to you know turn him into the FBI. Oh, by the way, when you do this, all of your uh, past transgressions will be forgiven. You can see your daughter. Your divorce is like, it's still there, but like you can see your daughter more often. You don't have that, you know, restriction in terms of being a good father because he's genuinely a good man in the film. So, Mm -hmm. okay, I kind of see where you're going with this now. (laughs) You you really have to watch it to (laughs) understand what I'm saying. It's a it's a good film in itself. Early two thousands, late. 1990s, but that's the kind of criminal Scott Lang really is on pause. And we're jumping back into the 10 minutes go. That was roughly 30 seconds. Roughly. Roughly. I'm a, 35. <laughs> it was worth it. You could have yeah. just made up that movie and I <laughs> I would believe you. I've seen it several times on AMC yeah. on slow cable days at yeah. home. But, but I think to your point, I think the father aspect of Scott Lang is super interesting. Yes. And especially when it's played against Michael Douglas as Hank Pym and then uh, Hope Dine, of course. Uh, oh, Van Dyne? Is there a Van um, in there? It's, Evan, it's Evangeline... Lily's the name of the actor. Hope, it's Evangeline Hope Lily. You're just mixing them all up now, aren't you? No, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, no. It's Hope Van Dyne yes. played by Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly. Lilly. Yes. I've got and it like right here. Why didn't I not look at my notes? <laughs> but the fact that 
Scott Lang is complete, like, in addition, while he's even being Ant-Man and sort of taking on this new exciting role, he's still exposed to a father-daughter relationship and has that constant reminder of who he really is. And he's I always love holding, that aspect of the film. And he's always holding that above everything else. Yeah. Even when it's, like, good versus evil, luckily, like, evil forces him to think of his daughter. Yes. Which I think helps in his decisions, but, like, it's always family before everything else, and I love that about him as a character. Yeah, which is... it. It's not something that we've seen a lot in the MCU at this point. We have these pseudo families of, you know, Thor, Odin, and Loki. But, this but is again, the most that's wholesome. Exactly. And yeah. it feels the most grounded in what we think of as sort of the typical nuclear family that we're familiar with. Also, I love Michael Peña and T.I. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> fantastic. Great. Yeah, they're both great. I feel like they're really good uh, comedic reliefs. I feel. I would understand if somebody was annoyed by them, but I feel like they bring some needed levity and sort of. Keep things light, because Ant-Man should never take itself too seriously. And so when Michael Douglas, Hope Van Dyne, and Scott Lang are doing so and taking their role very seriously, we have those moments where where Michael Pena and T.I. come in and just sort of just elevate it a kind little bit. Kind of throw bit. it off kilter, but keep it on track. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but the nail in the coffin for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way, is the character of Darren Cross. Like oh, He's so boring. Like, <laughs> I, I like Obadiah Stane. You said earlier you're not a huge fan right. of him. But this is, without a question, a worse version of Obadiah Stane. Absolutely. It's a guy with daddy issues that are direct towards someone, not really his daddy, more his boss, which is almost a little weird. He turns a lamb to goop. And that, I'm not lamb. cool with that. He turns a lamb to goop. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, he's just so one note, man. And yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to put it on the actor because I don't know what else he's in. I've yeah, never I'm seen him in anything else. I will attribute it to a, a poorly written script for that character, much like yeah. I did for, you know, an Incredible Hulk and good chunk of the original Thor. Okay, like yeah. I, I think for that character, the script probably wasn't too great, but it didn't kill the movie for me. It was still an overall very, very good movie. Yeah, it was me. very enjoyable. And <laughs> the nail, uh, aside from Darren Cross, take Darren Cross out of the out of the formula here. The nail in the coffin for me is that Black Panther is so good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> one of my favorite, oh. one of my favorite elements to Black Panther is we already we already have gotten a little glimpse of him in Civil War. So Black Panther is not just a Black Panther movie; it's a Wakanda movie, which is such a great approach to take because we have all these great it's pride pri- characters. It's prideful outside of theaters yeah outside of theaters it's a cultural revolution we yeah. all saw what it did in the media yeah. everywhere it was just like wakanda forever whether i was playing league of legends or like on some random streaming site like every like no 30 kidding. seconds somebody was like wakanda, wakanda forever. forever wakanda forever i'm like that's cool but it's like four months ago please calm it a little <laughs> bit um honestly man i <laughs> i get the hype this is i get the hype such it's, a this is such a good movie it's and it's well deserved because it was so well done yeah there's not amazing. a single character that i don't enjoy spending time with in this movie there's like, no to, weak characters yeah even, even the queen who had maybe 10 minutes of time in yeah. the whole film she's a fantastically fleshed out character yeah she just brings a lot of presence to the screen obviously king t'challa has this gravitas and yet he's somewhat accessible king, king t'challa or prince t'challa both. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and 
uh, Shuri, I love Shuri. She's great. I feel like she's really charming and sort of grounds the the world of Wakanda, which is very fantastical. It's and it's, it's like basically sister, boundless. It's like the little sister we all love to have. Yeah, around. exactly. Uh, Nakia is great. Has the sort of great sense of independence and calmness. Okoye has authority and presence. I mm, yes. just her gaze in all every single shot is just always so piercing, and it's. So much fun to watch. And, She's great. And before we get to the main characters, which I know we could talk for days on. Oh, yeah. Umbaku is a fantastic, I don't want to say antagonist, but he's he's like a he's a fantastic, chaotic, neutral character. Like he's a he's, good foil he's, to King Ch- t- uh, to T'Challa. Yeah, he, he's a he's a he's a good character thrown in there to throw T'Challa off balance. <clears throat> But he still has good morals. He's still a good person, and you can see that in his character fleshed out when he fishes him out of the river, and he's basically dying. Yeah, like he's he's a good person. Yeah, and no matter how much he doesn't like T'Challa, he's not going to try to kill him and take over the throne like right. certain characters Killmonger. <laughs> By the way, Killmonger does that. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, but um, I, yeah, I agree. Umbaku is a real. He feels like a great rival. He feels, he's sort of the he's the Gary to uh, to Chala's Ash, you know. Yes, I love the Pokemon <laughs> reference. There. Fantastic. Oh yeah. So I, I there's so much to love about Black Panther, and we only have a minute left, and I don't know if we're gonna be able to scratch the surface of I, it, which has I me will, leaning towards. Black I will Panther. say my favorite thing, which for those of you who still think Ant Man is a better film, this. I know Dayton, you will agree with me, and I think this will put the nail in the coffin on our decision. Is the villain actually wins in Black Panther? He, yeah, in a way, in, <laughs> in a way, way in a way, he does. He doesn't get his his plan fulfilled completely, but T'Challa does change in regards to what Killmonger said. Right, and the Killmonger's like, we have been a hidden nation for so long, and we can do all these things. We can help so many people, and where he goes wrong is. We need to command them to do this. Yeah. We need to dictate them into this. Right. And the only difference where they are like, maybe we shouldn't do this is, you know, T'Challa's more democratic. He doesn't want to be a dictator authoritarian, whereas Killmonger's like, we've got power. Let's use that to usurp everything right. and then control everything to be our utopia that we currently have. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think if it were not for... Killmonger as a character, T'Challa would still be this kind of closed-off prince who always yeah. has good, good intentions but will never open his doors. That's a really good point. I like I like that way of looking at it. It's like, if this villain did, did not exist, would the character be fundamentally worse off? Right. And, and he's still, T'Challa would have been. And he's still a really good character, even if he would not have met Killmonger, but Killmonger just really elevated him to a... Like a tier two level character along the lines of like Ant Man, to a tier one character like Tony Stark in Iron Man three, which the film not that great, but him as a character, he kind of came to this, you know, realization re- realization of yeah. like I'm not just Iron Man, I'm also Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kamala is like, no, sorry, where Tatal is like I'm not Black Panther, I'm. You're also this political ruler, effectively. I'm Wakanda. I'm not yeah. Black Panther. I'm Wakanda, and I need to represent that to the world. Yeah. And I think that was a beautiful kind of way they took that spin on the film. Yeah. Again, going back to my first point of this is a Wakanda <laughs> film as much as it is a Black Panther film. And that's that's where I'm at with this. <laughs> Ant- 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 so, Black, a, so Black Panther wins. Black Panther yes. wins. <laughs> Absolutely. Black Panther rises victorious from his throne. And Ant-Man is a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I, 
I like to go back and watch that movie. It's it's a great cable movie when you just sort of see it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, man. I just yeah. want to sit here and di- you know putz around on my phone while I watch a, a good movie. I mean, that's what's perfect. on TV. Oh hey, yeah, let's watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's no disrespect to Ant Man, I guess, except for Darren Cross. He can get the heck out of here. <laughs> we could have done so much better. <laughs> I, I would have. I would have rather just seen a film with no villain than see Darren Cross. To be honest, <laughs> I'm like I, I hate to say it. That would have been interesting to pose it as just almost like a pure heist movie with no clear villain, just sort of nameless guards, and really focus on yes. the the trio of Hank Pym, Scott Lang, Hope a, Van Dyne. A pure heist movie where Ant Man is the sole good person in the film. There's no <laughs> bad person, and his goal is to steal an Infinity Stone off the gauntlet from Thanos. Sure. Thoughts on spoilers later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ant Man could have been better, and yeah. Pan- the Black Panther. I don't. Think it was, it, I don't think it could have been better. I can't. I have. I have nothing bad to say about that movie. Some. Uh, some might it, say that. Except MC- that the credits started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some might say MCU movies don't get much better than Black Panther, but that's why we're here talking this out. Let's review the standings. So. Let's go back to the bracket here, and we had Iron Man and Incredible Hulk facing off in the first round. Iron Man flew to victory and is going to be facing off against Captain America after it foiled Doctor Strange's cool hand tricks. You you could say, you know, Captain America really wielded that shield through a landslide victory. Yeah, that's almost a stretch, but it, (laughs) it, it sounded good. In my head. <laughs> you tried, man, tried. and that's the point. It's so, hard to do puns for superheroes with me. <laughs> they did them all already in the comics. They did all the puns already. I know. I'm trying to think of original stuff. <laughs> so then we had Thor, and he got hammered by Spider-Man Homecoming. That was very good. <laughs> and then, of course, we saw a Black Panther uh, squash Ant-Man. There we go. That'll work. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of something. Okay, so we. I, yeah, I, I got nothing. <laughs> All right. Up next, we have Iron Man up against Captain America. Then we'll have Spider-Man Homecoming up against Black Panther. Oh, this is gonna be. This is gonna be rough. I'm glad we're drinking some brewskis. I've I've finished my brewski a while ago, and I've I've had some uh, some uh, some spiced rum and some uh, apple cider, which is a fantastic fall drink. Hashtag yeah. basic. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right, Derek. You truly are. I am basic. <laughs> All right. So we dive into it, Derek. Absolutely. Iron Man versus Captain America. So, some of the OG MCU movies. So ten for minutes me, on the clock. For me, before we start the ten minutes, I'm I'm very much not one sided on this. How are you feeling on this one? This is gonna be a tough one. Okay, so yeah, I feel I feel pick, like let's each pick one and we'll stand by that one. Okay. Almost in our own civil war. <gasps> oh, how, how flavorful. I know. <laughs> All right. Let's get 10 minutes on the clock for this civil war. Here on cap. we go. Dips on cap. That's fine, because I'm in the Iron Man camp <laughs> okay, right here. Okay, good. Yeah. All I, right. I just feel like Tony Stark and Iron Man has really been the driving force for me personally in the MCU. It I, His arc has been so incredible. I love... <clears throat> I, uh, I'm not... A, I wouldn't say I'm happy about where he's at right now. <laughs> But from a writing standpoint, I'm very satisfied with where that character is at right now in Infinity yes. War. And it all starts back with this film and his flaws. He really encapsulates for me how 
oddly enough, how America felt at that time. We were involved in some all things that we maybe shouldn't have, yeah. and we were grappling with the ramifications of They're that. They're both centered off war. Yeah. Whether it's a modern-day war or a iconic war. Yeah, and they're both driven by that in different ways, whereas Iron Man feels remorseful about like all the harm he's done, and Captain America is sort of just reaching for something better and constantly bringing hope to those dire situations. They're right. sort of approaching that it's, issue from different angles and both, I think, very valuable angles. It's it's while Tony Stark is almost staying on this pedestal, looking down at the havoc that he has um, you know, brought upon everything around him and trying to sow the seeds of renewal, Cap is constantly trying to climb a mountain where the boulders are still falling on him while his gri- while his grip really isn't holding on too yeah, great. Right. And, and you kind of get that feeling throughout the whole film, even though um, in Captain America... A good bulk of it is the montage. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. <clears throat> but you have to admit at the same time, like, that's, if you would have, like I mentioned this earlier, if you would have, like, paced that out in the actual film, like, Saving Private Ryan, my most favorite army film to date. Yeah. Always nice. will be. Good choice. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, it's still a tough choice, though. But if you would have fleshed all that montage out, you would have had, like, three Saving Private Ryans, at least. Mm-hmm. We don't have that time in the MCU. No. So I think they did that very well, but just think, Saving Private Ryan, that happened three times, bare minimum, to Captain America in that three, four-year time span while he was in Nazi Germany, duking mm-hmm. it out yeah. with the uh, Fraulein over there. Yes. Here's my thing. <laughs> so <laughs> we're constantly rooting for both of these characters. Yes. But we're only really worried about one of them. True. Or I'm... I'm like always constantly stressed out for Tony Stark and Iron Man because he's he has seen some shit, especially after Infinity War. <laughs> Spoilers: He sees Spider-Man die right in front of him. I cried in the film. It's so I don't, tragic. I don't cry unless I'm watching Lord of the Rings or <laughs> it's Les Miserables for me. That's what gets me. It's either whether it's Lord of the Rings or any dog movie ever. I will cry <laughs> like the basic bitch I am, <laughs> but. I, I shed a couple tears when Spider-Man left, and Tony Stark as a character, I think, really exemplifies how we all felt in that movie. Yeah, how it's we like all we felt, felt some responsibility. And, and, and how we all felt in the very first film. Like, he really makes you feel like you're kind of responsible for his weapons going awry, even though it's just a fantasy yeah, film. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's partly because, you know, as much of a douche he is, as you described earlier, we enjoy that revelry. We enjoy seeing this sort of bad boy character doing his thing, and they're just like, wait he's glossing over all this harm he's doing, not only to himself, but literally to the entire world. And and whether you are that person in your friend group or you know someone your person who is that person in your friend group, Tony Stark is the one who is the devil's advocate. Yeah. He brings Rhodey, who is his high pedestal moral friend, down on his level in the plane scene within the first 10 yep. minutes. And everyone knows someone like that. Yeah. Or you are someone like that. <laughs> And you know you are someone like that if you don't think of any people in your life that are that. Yeah. If you can't think of anyone who is that, I I hate to break it to you. Take a good look in the mirror. This is your reflection moment. You are that person. You are Tony Stark. But minus the cool. Minus, maybe minus the cool. No, you're all pretty cool. You're all pretty cool. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You're listening to this podcast. Of course you're cool. (laughs) But that's my point is this 
Tony Stark, I feel like, is a bit more compelling as a character. There's a bit more going on. There's more internal conflict. Uh, Captain America, I feel like does get more interesting down the line but in the first iron man we see everything that tony stark is and doesn't want to be and everything he is and wants to be well and that's awesome as much as we've talked up tony stark i do want to throw in my uh two three five cents on captain america steve okay. rogers him as a character i mean within the first 10 20 minutes of the film. I forget how long that sequence is before he gets roided up. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like about the yeah. about the first half hour, give or right. take. So within that time, everyone at some point in their life, I don't care if you have the ego of, you know, Donald Trump and you think you are the shit or, you know, you are just an everyday Joe, an average Joe who mm-hmm. like you're neither here nor there. You have your highs and your lows, but everyone at some point, whether they admit it or not, has felt like Steve Rogers where just life is beating down on you. And that okay. character, you get the sense within the first 30 minutes, that's all he's known. And yeah. he's about 25 for, he's, he's in his early 20s at this point in his life. And Are we really, talking weight here or age? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you really get that feeling within the first 30 minutes of the film that yeah. like, all he's known his whole life is that life hates him. <laughs> That's all he's known. So yeah. it's it really is your classic underdog story turned into this moral hero. Mm-hmm. And back to what you said earlier, Captain America, it's, it's hard to not like him because he is this self-righteous guy. But you have to think of his origins, where he came from. He, That's a good point. He was this underdog who he knew nothing but life hitting him down over and over again. His face is in the mud, and life just drops another boot on his face to stop him further in. Yeah. And he's still this Captain America he's that still we a all look golden up to. example. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he's he is the exemplification of stay golden pony boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, fair like, enough. And like that is him through and throughout. After everything life has thrown at him. And it takes Tony Stark or Tony Stank some time to get to that point. (laughs) Good callback, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) It's an infinity. No. Civil Civil War. War. Civil War. Yep. Um, But it it, it takes him some time to get there. And he's never known that classic underdog story. He has has good morals. Sometimes they're askewed. And you see that in Civil War um, towards the end. But it takes... A tragic event for that to happen, whereas Captain America, he never needed that tragic event. He just needed his moment. His moment yeah. to have... He just needed his opportunity. Whether whether it was, you know, here's a new supplement. You can have some muscles. <laughs> like, he would still be a, a really great, you know, Clark Kent. Yeah. But maybe not so nerdy. <laughs> but he'd still be a really great Clark Kent figure to society. Yeah. But the fact that, like, Destiny's just like, you know what? We're going to give you legal roids that make you also a superhero. <laughs> but you can't get drunk. That's the only bad thing. Right. Yeah, like, he's still a stand-up guy, even without his superhero element to him. Like, think about one of my favorite elements of a Spider-Man Homecoming is when he appears in the uh, gym videos. Yes. And, like, <laughs> like, that personality and that confidence and that... A weird sort of care for, for education and kids and stuff like that. Like that's present in the character before he becomes Absolutely. all roided up, and that's really cool. And I, I and I do love Hannibal Burris. <laughs> that's just oh, like pretty so sure. Funny. Pretty sure he's a felon now, but this is a good film. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so real. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> but but going back to like when when it comes down to uh, character wise superhero basics, I think 
Captain America as a hero is a better hero than Iron Man is, albeit Iron Man is a more powerful hero, yeah. physically. But I still feel like the arc is more compelling for for and, Iron Man. And, and that's and that's I sided with Captain America because I like him as a hero more. But I will admit now that it's closer to the end of our ten minutes. Iron Man is a better film. It feels like it sets the tone for what the MCU could be and ended up being right. better than Captain America did. I'm glad <laughs> Captain America committed to the period piece idea. But it's very much its own film. And when we're talking about the best Marvel Cinematic Universe film, I don't think anything quite captures everything that that Cinematic Universe is better than Iron Man does. It It is, it is hard to beat... The Iron Man film, being being the original that it is, being the first of its kind, really trying to break that border that you know no other film in cinema has really tr- done, at least trying or not done successfully, and that is loop in other films into it as a main storyline. Right, there was no crossover at that point, even close to what the MCU is uh, has become, and I, I like to think that's what this is always what they were going for, something in, enormous and compelling right. and interesting and endlessly creative uh and i feel like iron man was it put its best foot forward it That's, really did you could say it put its best iron foot forward that was that was out of reach uh, <laughs> you you could say that you could say that but you would also embarrass yourself I, that's too late i did embarrass myself <laughs> that's but, all right good thing you have no shame uh, it's hard it's hard to embarrass <laughs> yourself with that no the the honest my honest opinion of this whole thing is the only thing Captain America had over Iron Man was the fact that Iron Man as a hero, as a character, whether it's comic based, whether it's MCU based, is a better fleshed out hero and character individually. As a film, Iron Man is drastically better. The villain, in my opinion, is way better. The plot is better and it was written better and it really took more risk than Iron Man. Uh, sorry, than Captain America did. And I think that's why it excelled in the end and why it should have won. Yeah. And did win, right? I would say so. Okay, it did win. <laughs> awesome. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came around to my side. I, I, I was I, on your side. I just wanted to, you know, root for the underdog. Play the devil's advocate? Yeah. Play the Tony Stark? Exactly. <laughs> I played the Tony Stark for Captain America. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I... Iron Man is just so inherently interesting as a film. The fact that it exists, the fact that it's directed by the, game, the same guy, John Favreau, who directed Elf and Zathura. Why in the heck would you put that guy in charge of starting off the MCU? I see why now, but why and, on earth? And did you that, make that John Favreau the is the limousine bodyguard that we all came yeah, to Happy love. Happy Hogan. Yeah, yeah such a great character. Yeah, really comes out in Spider Man, which. Take oh, man, we're going to get to the match, next matchup. All right, so Iron Man <clears throat> punches Captain America in the face as if he were Hitler. This is the only Civil War Iron Man won. Yeah, there you go. That's much better. <laughs> ah, I just, got one. I ah. just, uh, one more thing I will say about <laughs> Captain America. I do love how they do the whole Hitler punching thing while he's Captain America, yes. the war bond salesman. I love that so much. Yeah, like that's uh, that's one of my favorite comic covers just because it's so iconic and emblematic of the time, like you discussed, sort of setting an example. It's great. One last thing I, I, I do want to say I love about Iron Man is that it does, I love how each subsequent film before Avengers hints to the next film. Yeah. In Iron Man, you didn't really get that. In Incredible Hulk, you got 
Captain America, the first right. Avenger. In Captain America, the first Avenger, you had Thor within the first couple uh, scenes. You see, you know, the character Red Skull break into that home and it's just like, where's the artifact? Where's the mm. Tesseract? And on the wall, you see the tree of Asgard. Oh, cool. I didn't know yes, that. Yes, that, that, is, that is that tree. So that that was the one Thor Easter egg or two Thor Easter eggs. There's, there might be another one in there somewhere. Sure. But there is a Harkin to Norse mythology, which, of course, we all know is Thor, which I loved about Captain America, too. Sure. So anyway. Yeah. But on to the next one, as Jay-Z would say. I'm not familiar with that song. Yeah, it's on to the next one. It's really good. That's the name of the song? I think so. Okay. Pretty sure. <laughs> But he does say that. All One right. The songs on to the next one. Uh, to the next. Oh, yeah. Don't want to get copyright no. strikes. <laughs> don't worry. You're not that good of a rapper. <laughs> no. And I'm pretty sure I didn't rap that. I sang that. Horribly, might I add. All right, man. Moving on to the finals. <clears throat> okay. Has the potential to be the most amazing fantasy. But first, we have to discuss the next and final semifinal <clears throat> matchup. It's going to be Spider Man Homecoming against Black Panther. Derek, how are you feeling about this one? Honestly, I knew from the very beginning. Um, once, well, initially, Dayton and I, we, I messaged him, here are the eight films in the MCU I think should be the eight films we contest. And you replied, this is my same list. <laughs> I thought, awesome. Didn't end up being the list we had here in front of us today because we wanted to do just origin stories, yep. get out sequels. But the fact of the matter is, even when I saw the list you had out today and how the brackets were set up, I knew this would be the only, only thing where we will have differences. This will be the only matchup that will get really heated. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a good one, folks. Strap in. It's time for Spider-Man against Black Panther. Got 10 minutes on the (laughs) clock. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm not going to say anything good about... Spider-Man. I have a lot. Of, I have nothing bad to say. I mean, I have some bad things to say, but like, it's really hard. So I'll, I'll <laughs> stick to my Black Panther supporting okay. tips and quips and comments. I, okay. I love both of these movies so tremendously. Do I. So do I. Yeah. I, like when I, I when I tell people which movie do I like better, and I hold like one hand above the other, I hold Black Panther like half a finger's depth above <laughs> Spider-Man. Like that's not a lot of difference. I no. really love both of these films. And when it comes to the, I feel like seeing these movies, any MCU movie, MCU movie in theaters, it's an experience and it's something you really want to remember. I remember seeing Spider-Man Homecoming and Black Panther both very vividly. And I remember moments when my heart was really lifted, when I, I was really we invested. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just, we, we were both in it constantly. And I think that speaks to the quality of both of these movies. I... Might be personal bias here because Spider Man is my favorite superhero. Is it? Oh, I know it is. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a joke on my end. <laughs> it, I, I I'm going to give the edge to Spider Man, and for one very very special moment for for me and this character and where I want this character to be in any Spider Man movie, regardless of whether it's MCU or not, the moment when he's trapped under the rubble. Yes, I. Love that moment because he shows incredible weakness and he's completely justified because he is a child. And the, when he cries out for help, that's oh, it's that's, so that's a gut wrenching feeling we've yeah. all felt while being trapped under, you know, the massive piles of couch cushions at our own home. 
Sure. I mean, if you've ever played with kids, whether it's your whether you're a kid and you're playing with your siblings or your your friends as a kid, you've ever been under an incredibly tall pile of couch cushions or pillows or or underneath a dog pile. That's how it feels. <laughs> but even worse. But because, even worse because it's rubble. Yeah. <laughs> there's, and it's there's no friends around you or on top of you keeping you down. It's literally rocks. And, and it's no one's around. It speaks to this character wanting so much from being a hero, wanting to be an Avenger, wanting to save the day, wanting to literally probably take down Thanos on his own. He wants that so desperately. And in this moment, he admits he doesn't have that in him. That's so cool. Even when he's like fighting back and eventually does get out, he doesn't like lift it up and say, oh, come on, Peter, you got it. He says, oh, come on, Spider-Man. That's so cool. Like he's like he, he's he, relying he on this that Peter can't, but Spider Man can. He's relying on this idea of what he wants Spider Man to be, right? In order to succeed, and he <clears throat> he just like doesn't have it in him, so he's reaching out for something else. That's probably one of my favorite moments in any Spider Man movie, any superhero movie. That's why I think Spider Man Homecoming has the edge for me. I love that moment too. Yeah, but in terms of a film and the best MCU film from our eight films. <laughs> Black Panther is a better film. Okay. Please explain. <laughs> Spider-Man has been done before. Mm-hmm. It needed to prove itself in a sense. And it had mm-hmm. a nice slide in, as Black Panther did with Civil War. Yep. But Spider-Man had more riding on. It really needed to stand out from everything else. Whereas Black Panther, this is the first time it's being done. And it's not a Black Panther film, as you said. It's a Wakanda film. Yeah. It's not just about a hero. It's about a culture that's coming out of these hidden blinds into the open. It's like, if today Atlantis rose out of the sea, (laughs) it's not going to happen. If Atlantis rose out of the sea and said, yo, we here, um, let's start trading shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like that's that's like what Khan, what Wakanda did in the yeah. MCU, except you have the you have the compelling sense of revenge that you saw T'Challa go through in Civil War, and I'm not going to bring that in as a pivotal point in this movie because it's not the same film. Right, it's a different film, same character but different film. But you still see remnants of he has to stand up and be the man that his father wants him to be, and then he comes to the realization of my father is not this high pedestal. Odin figure that I aspire to be like. He's he's no better than Killmonger at this point because he realizes his father killed his uncle. Right. And that caused the whole Killmonger coming to Wakanda, throwing be, him off the previously throne. Previously being isolated, yeah. Like, like his father instigated all of this and he saw the man that he respected most be dragged through the mud. Yeah. Not because everyone else was telling him this, but like he saw this in his own mind. Right. He dragged his own father through the mud because of what he saw transpire in front of him through Killmonger and how that isolation affected someone of his own culture that he mm-hmm. has loved and wanted to protect against the outside world. But in the end, it was protecting the outside world, protecting his culture through outside world, which instigated the entire conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's if he would have opened those gates long ago, he being um, sorry, T'Challa's father would have opened those gates long ago. This would never have happened. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that is a pivotal moment when he sees his father being thrown off the pedestal, and he's the one throwing him his father off the pedestal here. That is a very realization of an idol shift. Yeah, I respected you, and 
I don't know how I feel, and now who's my moral guide? Who is who is the one that's going to help me become the man I want to be? And it's almost as he shifts and turns to Killmonger and says, "What do you have to say? What do yeah. you have to say? Yeah, help help me become the guy I aspired to be like." Yeah, and I, that that for me was the biggest moment in that film where I'm thinking, "My God, this is an amazing film." Yeah, I can't I can't put this underneath any other film besides Infinity War because it just ties everything together <laughs> so yeah, sure. beautifully. But it's it's such a beautiful standalone movie and the sense of moral struggle between the character and who he wants to be is not who he now wants or he, who he wanted to be right. is not who he now wants to be. Yes. And he his has path to turn. has diverged. And he has to turn to his mortal enemy to be the man that he always wanted to be. Right. Which is which was unexpected. Well, yeah, and it was it was so compelling and it was so well done. You really, I really felt for Killmonger, and the whole the whole thing about this this pride in in culture yeah. resonated even after that film ended. It, re- it resonated into Infinity War, whereas Peter Parker's just like. I'm still a schoolboy. Yeah. Jazz hands. Which, which I love. I love Peter Parker still, but you you still get that sense into the next film, which follows. Sure. And, side note, I love the two Tolkien white characters in the film. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, Andy Serkis, who plays... Uh, what's his... Claw. Claw, who plays Ulysses Claw, with Schmeagol. Yes. Or Gollum in yes. the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. And... Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman was Bilbo Bill Baggins. Baggins in The Hobbit. That's so, some nerd. The Tolkien white characters. That's some nerd stuff for you there. You're hilarious. I am. <laughs> I am very hilarious. It, okay, so I agree with everything you just said about Black Panther. I knew you would. It's, I, I it's, I, it's undeniable. So all I can do really is pose what Spider-Man means to people, and what this movie does in particular is that it celebrates normalcy yeah at the end of the movie spider-man has the option right then and there not wait until infinity war eventually takes the iron spider suit but he has that moment at the end of the movie you can be an avenger you can have this suit that will be way better for you and you can be just like us you can be everything you wanted to be and spider-man says no because he realizes his role who he can serve best and that's what makes it an interesting character. And I knew you would say that. Yeah. So I have one thing to add about How Black dare Panther. you? <laughs> I have okay. one thing to add about Black Panther. All right, fire back. Spider-Man does the normalcy transition beautifully. Yes. But if we're talking film-wise, that is, is and always will be a good, strong moral for every audience to have. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Okay. You're looking at me very intensely right now. I know. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Yes. Black Panther. The the way in which it took on cultural acceptance and forgiveness in uh-huh. a political time that we have now, and we are not going to get into that in this <laughs> podcast. Just... I think we can all agree that it is a very tense turmoil time, culturally, morally, politically. This film addresses that in a mm-hmm. way that no other superhero film, to this date, MCU or otherwise, has really addressed. And it does it beautifully. It does it with love and acceptance. And it really brought a lot of people together. 
And that's something Spider-Man didn't do when it came out. Which is why, in terms of when it came out, Black <laughs> Panther was a better movie. That's our time. Uh, man, uh, <laughs> it's hard to bounce back from that. That was... I know. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know. I, a guy asks Spider-Man to do a flip, and he doesn't, and it's a really awesome moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love little moments like that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I, the only other thing I could say about Spider-Man is that it celebrates little moments a little bit better than Black Panther does. Black Panther has this grandiose feel to it, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's just different. It's, you know, we're even though these are both part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and saw origins around the same time, they're still very different movies and have very different feels to them and have very different goals. And I, I feel like Black Panther was more successful at what it was out to do. Did I? Did yeah. I, just... I think you did. Woo! <laughs> did a little tiger fist pump there. Yeah. That it's... was the hardest battle I knew I would have to fight in this yeah. debate here, and I can't believe I just did it. Yeah. I I like Spider-Man Homecoming a lot, and I, <laughs> I'm i really excited to see where this character goes. I know how much this goes. hurts you because I know how big of a Spider-Man fan you are, too. I know. And I, I love, in terms of historically comic book characters, for me, it's... Batman and then Spider-Man again like half a finger depth under the other sure so like just know I'm right there with you with superheroes in general but sure. if we're talking MCU films god damn that Black Panther film yeah it's real good it, I, I feel like Spider-Man Homecoming set up a lot of potential and yes. it reaffirmed what we wanted Spider-Man to be but like one really good point you made was it really had to stand out against the crowd. It had to be something different. It had so much more working against it, and I feel like it was held back by that. It was able to tell its own story, and I feel it was very successful at it, but Black Panther was a, a blank canvas, and it painted a beautiful picture. It, uh, probably, like we said earlier, probably MCU movies don't get much better than Black Panther. It's, it's it, I can't... Like there's, there's very few things that I can imagine that will make it better, but we'll get into that because it's going to the finals, baby. Yes, absolutely. All right, we're getting to the finals. We're getting to the decision to decide the most amazing fantasy. We have Iron Man, the OG MCU film, going up against Black Panther, the cultural phenomenon that ended up being... Man. <laughs> they're, they're both cultural phenomenons in their own sense. That's true. Oh, man, that... This is this is gonna be tough, man. <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, I suppose we should just get right into it. We have Black Panther going up against Iron Man in the finals. I got ten minutes on the clock. Let's rock and roll. Ba boom. I just threw my notes away because we've talked about both of these twice now, and I don't <laughs> feel like I need to review the like the five bullet points I had for <laughs> who, what actor played what character. Sure. Um. Uh, you go first. Uh. <laughs> How are you feeling about this? Like, are, are you conflicted? Do you have? Are oh, you abso- leaning one ab- way? Absolutely not. I'm. I'm very much leaning towards Black Panther. Okay. Uh, for obvious reasons that you should rewind like, a minute to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I. I get that. Uh, right. I think I'm with you, uh, but I want to really take Iron Man into account because of everything that it did for what it what it tried Marvel to do, movies. what it aspired to do. What it actually did, yeah, it 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 gave it gave the opportunity for Black Panther to be the film that it is, right? So for you to say, well, Iron Man's a worse film, it's like, yeah, but without it, you would never have had Black Panther, right? Or like you would, but 
not this Black Panther. Right. This is a build off of everything. Every Marvel movie we've mentioned up to date, except for Iron Man, owes itself to Iron Man. <laughs> who is itself is built off of that singular film, which is why I think it carried in from the first round all the way up until the final. Yeah. I think what made Iron Man really successful in its time was that it didn't try too hard. Oh, I just burped real bad. Man, you gas you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I am. I had I had some uh, chips and salsa before I came here. I had bratwursts. Like a true Wisconsinite. Oh, but one was, one was beer and cheese. As I was saying, <laughs> what Iron Man did really well is that it didn't try too hard to be a superhero movie. It took from Tom Clancy, James Bond, from even like RoboCop elements. And, and yeah, was RoboCop it, it, the first RoboCop, the 1980s one? Yeah, yeah. and yeah, not the new one. Ugh. Oh, the new one. <laughs> no, thank you. This is not MCU. We ain't talking about the new RoboCop. <laughs> but. The fact of the matter is, is that it didn't feel too much like a superhero movie where it just like was inaccessible to people. Some people just straight up don't like comics, and I understand that. And the whole idea I, I of I don't understand that, but okay. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I get it. Comics are crazy and right. wacky, and they retcon everything, and they're very confusing. And they're just sort of, there's kind of a niche thing even still today as superheroes become more popular. Iron Man just tried to be a good movie and tried to set up other good movies. It wasn't inherently defined by its source material. It was flexible where it needed to be. And, and it did that beautifully. Yeah. Beautifully, if I might add. Yeah. The, the best thing about both movies, I will say Iron Man first. So best thing about Iron Man... Like, well, I'll say the best line from Iron Man that I love is when he gets back to the States yeah. and it's just like, get me a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Pretty humanizing moment, that's for sure. Just like, after all the chaos he's been through, wants to ground himself in something very homey and uh, comforting. You yeah, know? like like that moment in Iron Man is my favorite for, for many reasons nice. that I, I can't yeah. explain. Yeah. My favorite moment in Black Panther is Martin Freeman's realization of Wakanda is not this third world shit in the whole wall country. It is this high. <laughs> okay, Trump, don't call us the shitholes. I mean, look, the, he he literally like he thought that's what it was until okay, like fair enough. He he sees this and it is this beautiful country that it is, and he sees the culture and the people and how they just embrace everything despite cultural differences. Like he realizes that he has that awakening. That is a beautiful moment in that, that film for me. Cool. Yeah. And I love that so much. But I I I I find it hard to find bad parts in Black Panther. I find it easy to find bad parts in Iron Man. I will give you that. There as I mentioned before, I don't really like Obadiah Stane. That's probably my biggest beef with the right. original Iron Man. It just set a bad precedent for <laughs> villains and sort of a stock story to follow. That's unfortunate. I, I think I do they, not like that. I think they did do that because it they were trying something new, something yeah. risky, and they needed to go with something that they knew would work. Yeah, something they knew would be good. And a a stock villain, while in the end is not the worst thing in the world. For what they were trying to do, I think it was the safest play. And That's I fair. And they did it really, really well at the same time. Yeah, they did as well as they could with <laughs> that safe play. Uh, I still I still take issue with it. And the other really... I, this is a beef I kind of have with both Black Panther and 
with Iron Man is that some of the fight scenes aren't the best. Iron Man, I feel like when he's in the desert and when it's daytime, the fights are better. Even yes. when he's in the uh, Iron Man Mark One suit, Hell, I don't know what you e- want to call even, the yeah, the, the, Mark the box of scraps bo- uh, uh, suit, <laughs> the rough draft. Yes, exactly. Even though, like that scene's cool. The daytime fights in Black Panther are okay too. I feel like the CGI is a re- little weak. I don't know. A little weak. Yeah. I I, I didn't enjoy the CGI fight in the Adam uh, the vibranium tunnel. I almost said adamantium. Oh, <laughs> I you can't do that. I You're know. getting sued by Disney. I know. I, Actually, I, they own Fox now. So I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the CGI fight in the vibranium tunnel That's as much true. as I would have liked to. It was still very well done, but I enjoyed the daytime fights more than I did that. That being mm. said, the the end fight between the Ironmonger and yep. which is Obadiah Stane's, yep. you know, suited up suited version, up version yep. villain against Iron Man is not as good as when Iron Man just lands on the battlefield. Dodges a missile from the tank. <laughs> so cool. And I just shoots moment. a dinky little, like, a pen-sized rocket. Yes. And it blows up. Like, that half a scene, not even a fight clip, is better than the duke it out brawl. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really what I was getting at. <laughs> that night scene between Ironmonger and Iron Man is kind of hard to follow. Because it it's really dark. Their suits are only really identified by the lights coming out of them. And they're playing against a background of city lights. And It's really hard to follow. That and even if you're trying to justify which is which by the lights coming off of them, they're the same color. Yeah. Not it's that just, it would not have made that much difference, but... that. Little detail could have helped a little bit. Right. And so I, again, I, we're splitting hairs here. But, but I, I do want to note, in terms of strong female roles in movies. Holy crap, Black Panther is so good. <laughs> Black Panther is the best. Yeah. The moment in okay. I actually my, do need my notes for this now. My favorite no, my favorite fight in Black Panther is the casino fight. Uh, one of my favorite moments is when Okoye throws off her wig into a guy. It like, harkens, that is such a defiant moment. It's it, so it, good. It harkens to the casino brawl fight in one of the newer Bond films. I forget oh, which one it is, okay. but like it reminded me so much of that. And I loved, 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 loved how the fight scenes focused more on the female characters than it did actual T'Challa. Yeah. Like we Again, know, it's we a know what he's movie. doing. Like we know what he's doing. He's yeah. going after the big bad guy. But let's focus on. This yeah, is cool. this it's like is cool this is out. new. This is something you haven't seen yet. Yeah. And like I said, it's a Wakanda film. It celebrates that entire culture. It's and and it does it so well. I okay. So even though I mentioned I don't really like the nighttime scenes in as <laughs> nighttime fight scenes in either film, what I do like about the nighttime scene, the car chase in Black Panther, uh, is the music. Holy crap, the music is so good in Black Panther. It okay. Uh, another sort of beef that people have with the MCU is that the music is bland, save for the Avengers theme. And to those people, as I said, to those people who think the MCU is I would bland say- visually, I tell them to see Doctor Strange. When people say the music is bland, I tell them to go listen to the Black Panther soundtrack because it's Black amazing. Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> Before Ragnarok was still a pretty good soundtrack. Oh, yeah. But, but best soundtrack by far is Black Panther. Orig- yeah, like the original music, like the little techno <laughs> hip-hop beats are fantastic. The more orchestral uh, Wakandan themes are fantastic. It's I. That's my favorite MCU music. It really is. I like I like all of the music in that movie better than I like the Avengers theme. As much as I like the Avengers theme, and as much as that gets me hyped up when I'm seeing a crossover film, Black Panther. I, I remember sitting in the theater and just being like, "This is new and different and cool, and it 
fits. It's not just new for the sake of being new. It, it celebrates everything that Black Panther is. It's it's just good music too. Like yeah. I I listen to Kendrick Lamar's Black Panther album when yeah. I'm in the gym. Nice. Like that gets me hyped up on certain days. It does. I mean, like I always shift music, but like I don't often listen to a whole album all the way through in the gym. That is one album that I love listening to from start to finish in terms of nice. you know working out and like getting hyped to getting in the zone. And I it is very much worked into that film beautifully. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I feel like we're both still leaning towards Black Panther. We're getting close to time here. Is there anything else that Iron Man has to offer that would change our minds? I don't know. I honestly, honestly I, think Black Panther has it all. You know, I, I have I have nothing else to add for Iron Man. Uh, I think Pepper Potts was as well done as Pepper Potts can be, and she did play a nice little role in there. But Black Panther, just through and throughout, as I said before, and I will always stand by, there's not a single thing I would change to better that film or nitpick and say, this is a bad part of that film. Right. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, let's put it this way. I would understand <laughs> if somebody came up to me and said, I didn't like Iron Man, uh, but Black Panther... If someone said... if someone I, I would be really confused said, if somebody said they didn't like that movie. It was, it's, if it's someone a said they didn't like Black blockbuster. Panther, I'd say... Uh, are, are you okay? Did, did you fall? <laughs> it's it's really what I want a blockbuster to be. It's got just characters that everybody can relate to, and it elevates those strengths of those characters and of those people watching. It's brilliant. I, I, it's so good. I couldn't, Props to Ryan Coogler. Could really. not agree more. Yeah. Could not agree more. I Yeah. I, I just, as, as well as Iron Man set up this wonderful MCU that we have now and will foreseeably continue until we all die. <laughs> it, I think Black Panther was the moment. It was the really, it was a real peak uh, for this film franchise series amalgam. <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm really excited to see where they take Black Panther 2. I, I think Ryan Coogler was recently confirmed to come back to that. Oh, and good. good. It's, and we all know that in, in, after Infinity War, they're going to get resurrected. They're not killing off properties that can make them I, a bunch of money. I, I think it's safe to say that Disney would be making almost a ridic. I don't. I have. I don't have a word for how stupid of a move it would be to kill off the biggest selling character you have. Yeah, and let's. Uh, stepping away from the money aspects for a moment, I think right. when we look at um, Iron Man and Black Panther again. Iron Man. Well, set I also think Black Panther will take up the mantle as Iron Man at some point in the future, or really? like not he won't be Iron Man, but he will take be, up that role. He will be to the new Avengers, whoever they may be, that Iron Man is to the current Avengers now. Okay, but with a better moral stance, <laughs> with a better moral compass, absolutely. Right. But <clears throat> I think Iron Man set some good precedents for the MCU and started some bad trends in terms of people really wanting to make a cinematic universe and uh, sort of capture the energy that Iron Man had. I, it, it set some bad things on its course in terms of the cinema as a whole. Black Panther, I think, is only going to do good. It's going to uh, cause more ambitious and more interesting and more diverse Absolutely. blockbusters. And for that, I'm incredibly thankful for it because I, I can't wait to see what news stories we're going to have thanks to Black Panther. And I think, feel like we've seen all we need to see from Iron Man and its inspired creations. Yes. It's Black Panther has a lot to give to us. So, I think. <laughs> so I can, should I'll let you call it? This is your show. Yeah. Okay. Derek, Black Panther's the winner. 
Yay. Yeah, Black <laughs> Panther is the most amazing fantasy, the greatest MCU solo non-sequel film. <laughs> a lot of qualifiers to that, but that let that not diminish uh, the impact that this film had. Not, uh, not just on us, but really on everyone as a whole. This was, very, it's it's an awesome movie. Very so beautifully good. done. And to talk into our next, or segue into our next little short bit after the bracket, I think we'll talk our thoughts on the upcoming Infinity War Part Two. Yeah, it's we've talked a lot or about how how the MCU will veer in the future, and I, I do want to start off by saying how Black Panther brings together the world. Yeah, it's like okay, well now the world's all on the same foot. What inner world conflicts do we have? Nothing really left, which kind of does play into the whole Kevin Feige saying the MCU is going cosmic. Those yeah. are the threats now. Right. And having Black Panther open Wakanda up to the world, making it a more unified, I guess, home base for heroes. Yeah. Kind of almost diminishes any future... Only Earth-based conflict. Only Earth-based conflicts. Right. Which, it's it's nice that it broadens the scope for more cosmic-based conflicts now that Disney has the rights to other characters like yeah. Galactus. I think it would be cool to see more cosmic-based villains like yeah. Galactus or... Adam Warlock's other half, I forget his name. He is the... Uh, mm, I'm not sure here. starts with an M. Um, <laughs> I, I'll I come wanted, back to it later. I wanted to say Moloch, but that's the villain no. from Watchmen. The, no. the retired villain with right. cancer in Watchmen. Moloch. <laughs> anyway, I yeah, I'm excited for that. What I think the MCU needs to continue doing uh, for us to have... Movies like this that we discussed today that we get excited that are, about that is to continue to present, have... They stay how they have staying power. Yeah. is it, But what they need to do, and this is going to be really hard as they go cosmic, is they need to continue to have human heroes. Not human literally, but human personality-wise. Human-esque. Sure. <laughs> Humanoid? Yeah, sure. Uh, they need to have... <laughs> I'll, okay, instead of human, I'll say relatable or characters we can resonate with. They need to have heroes we can resonate with. They need to have villains we can resonate with. I think, you know, the reason, one of the biggest reasons why uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and Black Panther was such a hard debate for us is because they both have great villains. Killmonger is probably better, but boy, we love Michael Keaton as a vulture. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, Adrian Toomes. It's, it's, it's hard to discount his performance as a vulture. And as I was telling someone at work today... Uh, I'm trying to kind of hype myself up for this. Yeah, I was like, name a film where Michael Keaton's in it and he's the bad part of the film. He's always good, man. I'm waiting. <laughs> I will. I will forever be waiting. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger is amazing because they have interesting motivations that yes. we can, if not sympathize with, we can at least understand also, and sort of see where they're coming from, no matter what extreme they take it to. Also, I do want to add Michael B. Jordan as an actor is also equally good, like Michael Keaton. He's not Michael Keaton level yet. They don't have the same amount of experience behind right, their yeah. belts. Just doesn't have a filmography yet. But Right, yeah. but if if you haven't watched Creed yet, I would say watch Creed. Because I will go do that. I've not seen Creed yet. <laughs> I, I, I will say Michael B. Jordan does a fantastic job as Adonis Creed's um, son in the film. Yeah. And that Rocky trains to yes. enter the fight. And Creed 2 will be coming out, I think, in the spring. And I'm, I'm very hyped to see that because of how well of a job he did in Creed. So when I mm -hmm. saw that Michael B. Jordan will be playing Killmonger, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I saw how good he did in a boxing film. 
Let's see how he does as an MCU villain, and he did not disappoint. That's another thing that they have to continue doing, is keep getting <laughs> awesome, high-profile, interesting actors as villains and other heroes, I would say, too, but, uh, naturally. You know what? You feel free to get young up-and-comers as heroes if you want, but villains is really where the MCU lacks, I feel like. Right. And where they really need to continue pushing forward and not just sort of maintaining the status quo. I feel like they're on the right track. J- Jake Gyllenhaal was announced to play Quentin Beck, Mysterio. That, that will be fantastic to oh, see. I'm so I'm excited. very pumped for how he's going to portray Mysterio. Yeah, because Mysterio is such <laughs> a... Su- <laughs> such an odd character. He's a very sort of Saturday morning, sort of like a magic-based character. And so where is Jake Gyllenhaal, who's this very, very invested, powerful actor, going to take such a campy character? I can't wait to see it. So it sounds like they're going in the right direction for that. I I feel like if they follow at least those two principles, we should see some good MCU movies down the road. And... Yeah, I think I, I'm really excited for the next Infinity War and for Captain Marvel. I love Brie Larson; oh, she's fantastic. I'm that trailer got me excited beyond belief. Punching old ladies, punching old ladies. <laughs> uh, but I, I really, I know this is probably not going to happen. A a solo Hulk film will happen, I think, before this happens, and that is having Hugo Weaving come back to play Red Skull. Okay, he as an actor, he's phenomenal. As I yeah. said earlier, if you have not seen The Matrix, go watch it. And if not for Keanu Reeves being awesome, for Hugo Weaving. For Hugo Weaving. Mr. Anderson is... <laughs> it terrifies me to this day, and I know <laughs> it's not a real film. I'm pretty sure. You're pretty so, sure. <laughs> Hugo Weaving, so Matrix, in the night. Matrix, don't come get me. <laughs> but even, even if you haven't seen The Matrix, for my Lord of the Ring nuts out there, fellow nuts out there, oh, yeah. him as... Oh gosh! Now I am almost discrediting myself. I forget. It's the, the name power of, the of podcasts being able to just eliminate certain things from your. I brain. know, and but now I feel bad. But he's also in there, and he he does not play an antagonist. He plays plays a protagonist who doesn't have that big of a role in the films. But he still has a great presence, and he's very memorable. That great presence, very very memorable, and even if it was well written or not well written, I don't know. I'm too drowned by the fact that this fantasy realm is amazing to care about the plots to be honest <laughs> it is a very uh, enchanting world so to speak. he he does it he does it very well so him as an actor i would love to see him come back with a good script for red skull but i'm pretty sure i've heard several times over that he will not be coming back yeah I feel and like the red skull we saw in infinity war was not him i forget the actor's name but he was in the walking dead yeah, I can't he's remember a, his name. He's a he guy was, who does great impressions, and he's got kind of curly hair. <laughs> yeah, like he he plays he plays the gay stranger in The Walking Dead. They meet on their way to Terminus. Okay, I I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah, but he does he does a great job in The Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, he's and, a very good vocal performer. Absolutely. And to be honest, I didn't know that wasn't Hugo Weaving until yeah. I read up on it afterwards. Yeah. Granted, so, it was only like a five minute show of him and then show his <laughs> face, but still. Yeah, the voice sounded almost the same. Yeah, there's a there's a, definitely a potential for a, a villain there. I I want to see Hulk more because I love Mark Ruffalo, Wisconsin represent, and I think Professor Hulk, as we've seen in some sort of leaked uh, think, images, promotional images, seems like Professor Hulk's safe, on the way. I think it's safe to say Professor Hulk is on the way. It's Hulk wearing clothes. You don't see that, <laughs> and. I think that'll allow them to do what they've been wanting to do with Hulk, which is cool. And I'll be excited for that. I, I found a I found a link on YouTube. It's just like leaked 
leaked concept trailer stuff for yeah, Infinity War Part Two. But who it's, knows? Might have some it's good super clickbaity, and of course, I'm gonna watch and listen <laughs> to it and see if there's anything maybe relevant here. But one thing I did like, and I always kind of thought was gonna happen once I saw the suited up Hulk, was that Hulk and Thanos are going on round two. Yeah, they are I hope gonna so. they are gonna fight, and I would think that. Hulk beats Thanos straight up in a fighting match if Banner's in control. And if we have Professor Hulk, I think that's going to happen. But as soon as Thanos gets at least one Infinity Stone, he becomes too powerful. And that's where we need Brie Larson's Captain Marvel to come in and save yeah. the day a little bit. That being said, I think, you know, Hulk and Banner, they've had two, three, I don't know how many years this is going to have a time skip on. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be at least a year time skip sure. for everybody to get situated with what with this incredible with trauma. Happened. Yeah, but whatever happens, he's definitely trained or trying to flesh out some agreement between him and the Hulk, where it's just like, mm-hmm. hey, let's not be these separate entities like in the Incredible Hulk, where they didn't really talk. <laughs> yeah. Just like he takes over, I'm gone. Yep. And if you've watched Ragnarok, he's like, where was I? Like, oh, you're on a different planet. When when did, when did I when did I leave? That was two years ago. Two years? Like he didn't know he was Hulk for two years. I think the next time we see the Hulk, it's gonna be Banner and Hulk both driving, driving the car. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be good to see. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think what this all comes down to is there are some awesome characters here. We want to see their arcs resolved in some way. Yeah, and. I think in Infinity War, that in, in the re- resolution to that, that might meet some characters dying. I feel like Tony Stark is about to give all these have to he has to give, yeah. like not from a storytelling if, standpoint, but just like literally as a character, he's gonna. After this, I don't know how he's gonna recover, so he's just gonna give himself to the cause. I arguably you could say the same for uh, Chris Evans, Captain America, Steve Rogers, right? And contractually. It does make sense too if you know the whole politics behind yeah. actors being re-signed and not or not signing back to the MCU. Yeah, so, and I think that as a whole <laughs> speaks to the MCU isn't just a giant cash grab. It's making tons of money, and goodness knows they're going to try to milk it for all it's worth. But there is some good art and storytelling here. Uh, I think that's what made this discussion so interesting. And tough. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not lying. Yeah. It's, it's true. I, I wiped and I saw like, oh, my hand is glistening. Wonderful. Glistening. Good choice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, these are characters we care about. And if you've been holding off on the MCU, I definitely understand. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's kind of tiring sometimes. It's exhausting it to keep up it, with. It is hard. But, Go into it with an open mind and see some really awesome characters, I think. And that's that's what the MCU has over any other cinematic universe that has been attempted thus far. It's got good characters at its core that we can relate to and we aspire to be. And I, I will say, and I'm going to talk about Lord of the Rings again, but I will say, and, and I think you know this, is I hated Lord of the Rings up mm-hmm. until... Uh, freshman or... Was it fr- up, up until freshman year of high school... I hated The Lord of the Rings. I had never seen any of the movies. I just thought it was extremely tacky. Elves, dwarves, spirits, and powerful rings that need to be destroyed by being thrown into a volcano made no sense to me at all whatsoever. And I read the books. I not watched any clips of the movies. And if I saw any on TV, I skipped right past them and would rather watch a commercial. Wow. Then, y'all became my friends. (laughs) You you were all going to go watch The Second Hobbit. Yep. I had no idea what it was, and I 
I distinctly remember turning to Jake Cleveland, who is our other dear friend, who is yeah. not here right now, but you know, he another was, MCO junkie, another MCU junkie, and I remember asking him in the theater, "Hey, hey is 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 that the ring?" He's like, "Yeah, shut the shut the fuck up." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, damn," but like. <laughs> I didn't even know what the ring was. I jumped in half, like halfway through the Hobbit trilogy, and now here I am, like three, four years later, with a Lord of the Rings Ring of Power inscription tattoo around my left bicep, and I have all of the films, and I'm yep. reading the books, and I love it, and I will never stop loving it. Yeah. If if that is how you feel about the MCU and you hate it for no reason other than the fact that it's there and you think it's tacky... Give it a shot. You never know, you might actually like it a lot. Yeah, exactly. And then you might end up with an arc reactor tattoo on your chest or something. Don't go that far. (laughs) That's a little little pushing it. I'm not going to stop you, but it might push it a little bit. Well, (laughs) whatever tattoo you decide to get after you enjoy these wonderful movies. Or you just wear Tony Stark's goatee. Yeah. Don't get a tattoo of his goatee. Don't don't get a tattoo of his goatee on your face. It'd be a little weird. But it'd be, it'd be, it would be original. It would be very weird, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, if you enjoy these movies, we're right there with you. We hope you had a good time joining us on this journey. And if you're still sort of struggling to get into the MCU movies, give it a shot. Maybe start with Black Panther. It's a good one. It's the most amazing fantasy. <laughs> As you can tell, that was our conclusion. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Uh... We thank you, thank you again, Derek, for being on. I'm, Much appreciate I'm your glad time. You invited me on here to debate and change your mind on things. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> but that's what this show is all about. Thank you guys for tuning in to Who You Got. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.